The problem comes when you divorce as a Christian. And if there is no infidelity, and you divorce your wife, and you get remarried, guess what? You commit adultery, biblically. It's not the unpardonable sin, but here it is. Jesus set it all up. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Today's lesson continues our series in Mark's Gospel. Exploring Jesus' teaching on divorce, you'll see that there is a vast difference between God's view of marriage and our society's current perspective. Stay with us for Bible-based clarity on what God says about spouses dissolving their union and marrying others. Now here's Raul Reese in Mark chapter 10. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's uh, facing the cross as a master teacher. Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ had many different approaches in sharing the word of God. And sometimes he would use symbols, sometimes miracles, sometimes types, parables, proverbs, and sometimes even paradoxes as he's going to use in this chapter. Now, a paradox is a statement that seems to be contradictory to itself. And yet, it expresses the truth about a principle that God is teaching. Uh, He's going to be sharing concerning a hard question that the actual Pharisees were asking concerning marriage and divorce. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And I think that's kind of a question today. That not only we have before us, but uh, I'll tell you something. There's a lot of wimpy men today and a lot of wimpy women that don't want to be married. I was reading an article with the Jews today concerning the Israelis. There's about 10,000 to 20,000 Israelis, women, that literally want to be married to their husbands. But the husbands don't want to be married to their wives, but they will not divorce them because it will cost them financially to divorce their wives. So they stay married. What does the Bible say about marriage? Does everyone have to get married? Well, the answer is no. Paul the Apostle in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he talks about how some people are gifted with the gift of singleness. Where they don't have to get married. God gives you in being single the rest of your life. But the majority, it's better to marry than to burn. You see? Now, because we are Christians, we have to follow the Bible. We don't follow what the world teaches us. Back in the Old Testament, the way marriages were actually consumed together, it was by arrangement. A parent would arrange who you were going to marry. That's why when Jesus was born, and Mary was a virgin, and Jesus was born through Mary, remember that before ever Jesus was ever born, six months before He was ever born, the angel came to her and told her that she was going to be having a child. 
And Joseph was very concerned when Mary got pregnant because according to the law of God, any virgin or any young maiden that would become pregnant through fornication, she would have to be stoned to death. That was the law of God. You would have to be killed. Fornication was not allowed in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and the penalty was death by stoning. Adultery was by stoning both parties and killing both of them. The Bible teaches that once you get married, it's for life until death. Do us part. So help me God. You take those vows. You pray them. You speak them through. Now one of the things that Jesus does here, on His way to Jerusalem, He comes back to Capernaum, which was His headquarters. He'd been there for three years. And He's coming back and going out and coming back. But this time... Already three and a half years almost have passed. And he is on his way to the cross. He's going to die. And he knows it. So he's on his way. Verse 1. And then he arose from there. And he came to the region of Judea. By the other side of the Jordan. So he's getting pretty close to Jerusalem. He's coming up to Jerusalem. Through the back of the Jordan River. He's coming through the Judean hills. And to the Judean desert. And the multitudes gathered to him again. And as he was accustomed, he taught them again. And he was constantly instructing. People were hungry. People wanted to know, hey, what do you have to say to us? Now, some people thought that he was just a rabbi. Like Hillel Shemiah, one of these rabbis that the Jews not only had listened to, or Gamaniel. But at the same time, Jesus always spoke with authority. Shimei and Hillel were always quoting the other masters. But whenever Jesus would speak, He would say, Barely, barely, I say unto you. This is what the Word of God says. So He spoke with authority. He was never speaking with other men's opinions. You see? This is what is written. And this is what you have to do. So here is now the enemy trying to entrap them into an argument. Verse 2. Then the Pharisees came to ask him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And notice what it says, testing him. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now, the thing about it is that you go back to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Let's go back to it. Let's see what he says. Genesis chapter 2. This is where it all began. This is the establishment of matrimony. In Genesis chapter 2, beginning with verse 18. God had created men and women. And he's going to give you the story here in chapter 2. Beginning with verse 18. He starts. Let's read it. He says, And then the Lord God said, It is not good that men should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now notice that God's divine purpose was that Adam or man would never be alone. That's the purpose of marriage. What? Partnership. Being together. Doing things together. Growing together. You see? Because God doesn't want men to be alone. 
Being alone is a pretty incredible thing. You see a lot of lonely people today. Imagine getting old and not having a partner to get old with. But to be by yourself, without children, without grandchildren, without great-grandchildren. It would be hard. And yet there are those that choose to be single. By divine gift of God. Where they don't have to get married. And that's their choice. But then at the same time, God's intent when He looked at Adam in the Garden of Eden. Imagine here is Adam, the head over the Garden of Eden. God puts him as the head over the Garden of Eden. And He not only gives him the power to entrust him by giving him not only uh, an intellectual mind. He was very knowledgeable, very smart. He was the one to literally give names to all of the animals in the kingdom. God didn't give that. Adam gave names to all the animals in the kingdom. And yet even though every type of animal was created in the kingdom of God, in there in the Garden of Eden, yet God saw the loneliness of men. God's intent is that you will not be what? Single. God knows what you're going through. God knows what you're feeling. God knows your emptiness and loneliness. And God desires that you would wait upon Him. Don't get ahead of the game. Because you'll make a great mistake. As many people have. God intends for you to wait upon Him. And you'll see that tonight. We're not in the business of matching people together. That's the problem with so many people. We're not matchmakers. God is the one that will matchmake you with somebody else. And from the foundations of the world, if you're not married tonight, from the foundations of the world, God already made someone for you, if you will wait. And then look what he says in verse 19. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field. And every bird of the earth, and he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was their name thereof. So man wasn't made stupid. He wasn't created stupid. He was an intellectual with great intellect and great wisdom. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found, notice again, a helper comparable to him. When Adam looked at a giraffe or an elephant or a monkey, the evolution is we look like monkey. Maybe you look like him. I don't. I don't relate to them. You know what I'm saying? I don't relate to monkeys. But it's incredible when he looked in the garden and everything was so perfect and he named every animal, there was something lacking in the life of the man. Something was lacking. And what was that? Woman. Ish, Isha in the Hebrew. Look what it says. This is so cool. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Now notice who did it. Not Adam. God saw that Adam was lonely. So what does God do? God is going to do a major operation on Adam. He's going to create what? A woman. Now notice, God could create a woman out of another existing material. But what does God do? God creates the woman from the same body of men. Interesting. From the same body of men. Look what it says. This is so incredible. And so the Lord caused Adam to fall asleep. 
And then he slept. And what did God do? God took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh in its place. Now, what's interesting in Hebrew, there is no word for rib. Literally, if you want to translate to the closest of the Hebrew, it says that God took the woman from the closest part of man's heart. He didn't take the woman from the bottom of man's heel. And he did not take the woman from the top of man's head. Okay? He took the woman from where? From the side of man's heart. The closest part to man's heart. That's why you don't have your wife walk behind like a dog. Or in front of you. She walks next to you. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. We're here to fortify your faith with biblical guidance and invite you to join Raul on his YouTube channel for Straight Talk every Tuesday at 10 a.m. West Coast time. You can also visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. Now back to Raul Reese and more of today's lesson. But then check this out. This is pretty interesting. Again, here is Adam sleeping, and he takes the closest part from man's heart. And then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into it a woman. Notice, he did not make a man out of Adam, Steve. Okay? It's not Adam and Steve. It's Adam and Eve. Okay? Look what it says. And then the rib which God had taken, he made the woman. And then the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made a woman, and he brought her to the man. Now, listen, single guys, you're looking for a wife, right? What does the Bible say? That God brought the woman to the man. Adam didn't go looking for a wife. That's biblical. But you notice how God is the one that from the beginning of time, he made male and female for All life until death do us part. So help me God, I will. I will. That's the marriage vows that we take. The Jews were not willing to keep that. Go back now to Mark 10. Look what he says to them. Verse 2. He said the Pharisees came and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Testing him. And he answered and said unto them, Hey, what did Moses command you? What is he referring to? He says, go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. Read it. Okay, let's read it. Let me read it to you. Deuteronomy 24. Let's see what he says. He says, when a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness. You know, maybe you saw that that's not what you wanted. Okay, maybe she has a big nose or big ears. Or maybe she's not shapely the way you want it. Well, Hillel said you could divorce your wife for any cause or any uncleanness. Shimei said only from sexual immorality. Only sexual immorality. So there were two schools of thought. One that said for any cause, and the other one only because of sexual immorality. Look what he says here. He says, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, put it into her hand, and sends her out of his house. And when she has departed from his house, and goes and becomes another man's wife, if the later husband detests her, and writes her a certificate of divorce, and puts it into her hand, second divorce, 
and sends her out of his house, or if the later husband dies who took her to be his wife, then her former husband who divorced her must not take her back to be his wife after he has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God is given to you as an inheritance. Notice that. God from the beginning does not want divorce, but because of the hardness of the hearts. Look what he says again. Go back to verse 4. Then he answered in verse 3 and said, What? What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write her a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. Notice that. Now, the certificate of divorce in that culture, before you would marry, let's say I come and ask for my wife Sharon, and her father would say, okay, you can have Sharon, but before you can have her as a wife, you have to pay me what? Alimony in advance. Huh? (laughs) Alimony in advance. Just in case you get rid of my Sharon one day. I'll have money, and she'll have money. Smart father. That's what the law said. You see? Today, that's why some of these Jewish men do not want to divorce their wives because they know that it will cost them a lot of money. So they stay married. And yet, God's intent is what? Here it is. Look again. And then verse 5. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Because of the hardness of your heart, He wrote this precept to you. Hey, you can have all the excuses. You don't love me. I don't see you being affectionate. And you know, my mom and my, you can blame it on everybody else and make excuses. Hey, you cannot excuse what God says. I'm sorry. You cannot. If you already have been through a divorce, and now you're a child of God, hey, be glad. All things are new in Christ Jesus. You see? Before Christ, everything becomes brand new. The problem comes when you divorce as a Christian. As a child of God, when you know what's right and what's wrong. And if there is no infidelity, if there's no adultery, and you divorce your wife, and you get remarried, guess what? You commit adultery. That's right. You commit adultery. It's not the unpardonable sin, but you commit adultery because of the hardness of your heart. Look what he says. Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote this precept. But here is the law. Here is grace. But from the beginning, the beginning of what? The beginning of marriage. The beginning of creation. God made male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and shall be what? Glued unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Notice, so then they are no longer two, but now one flesh. And listen, and therefore what God has joined together, let no man separate. Literally, don't let anybody divorce. That's what it says. No divorce. Now I know that there are situations where there's physical and verbal abuse. And there is such a case, not for divorce yet, but separation. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 
There is a time where you give God a space of time for that person to repent and to be restored. And then God will let you know in His time, you will have the peace of God, because we're not to live by bondage, if you should get the divorce or not. If it's not going to be uh, rebuiltable, the marriage, the only way that I can see that is through sexual sin, adultery, and if the woman is getting verbally or physically abused in the marriage, then you don't have to live with that. You don't have to live with that. And the first thing that I would recommend, if you're being verbally or physically abused, is get a restraining order, and you get a separation, not a divorce. And you wait upon God to minister to your husband or to the wife. That's what the Bible teaches. And whenever you separate with your husband, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says, don't do it in a long period of time. If the husband or the wife are separate, when you have a need sexually, make sure you come back together and you both agree together. Because if not, you what? you'll commit adultery. You see? So we need to be in God's perfect will, like He says here. Why? Because everything that Jesus did, He did it because He loved. And here, He's setting the model to a question of entrapment. Look what else He says in verse 10. In the house of His disciples, He also asked again about the same matter. And so He said unto them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. Notice what He said. If you divorce your wife apart from immorality, okay? Notice what he says. Or a legitimate excuse, verbal, physical, whatever it is here. Then what happens if you get remarried? As a Christian, I'm not taking it as an unbeliever. As a Christian, you commit adultery. The only legal basis that God gives to you to be free to remarry is what? Adultery. And Jesus said, if a husband and wife commit adultery, let's say the husband commits adultery, the wife can forgive her husband and they can stay together and they don't have to divorce. But if she doesn't want to, she can divorce him. And she is free to marry only in the Lord, not apart from the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 tells you that. So God has set up the basis for the family, for marriage, for divorce, for singleness. Everything through the scriptures. And then look what he says in verse 12. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits also adultery. You see? If she's the one that fell, and now she's leaving her husband, and she goes and gets married, she's in adultery in that marriage. Biblically. It's not the unpardonable sin. But here it is. Jesus set it all up. We pray that today's teaching has provided you with a better understanding of God's views on infidelity, divorce, and remarriage. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Now, if you didn't get to hear Raul's entire message today, you can get a physical copy sent to you for a gift of $5 or more. Just call us at 800-634-9165 and ask for Rawls' teaching from Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. We'd also like to equip you with a book that can help you resist temptation and weather tough times in your relationship with your spouse. 
titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies, this resource from Rawl brings his Vietnam War experience into the realm of spiritual battle. You'll see that when you or your marriage come under attack from the enemy, you can overcome through the power and protection of Jesus' name. Contact us today to purchase Rawl's book titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. Visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165 and we'll send your copy for a gift of $14 plus shipping and handling. That's 800-634-9165. Or you can write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. When it comes to growing in Christ-likeness and in fruitfulness in following the Lord Jesus, we've put together an assortment of resources that we believe can help. Watch Rawl on his YouTube channel every Tuesday at 10 a.m. West Coast time for Straight Talk, a Q&A program with helpful guidance for a God-honoring life. And of course, every Somebody Loves You radio program has been archived for you to download through Spotify or iTunes. Plus, you can download our free app to your iPhone or Android for even more biblical teaching, a personal scripture reading plan, and much more. When you partner with us here at Somebody Loves You Radio, you're taking an active role in equipping Christians to live faithfully in the workplace and at home. Your contributions are an investment in the kingdom of God and help strengthen the local church through sound Bible teaching every day. We invite you to call or write and make a contribution. Everyone is tax deductible and is a great encouragement to us as well. Well, thanks again for making us a part of your day today. It's always a privilege to bring these studies to you. Be sure and join us on the next Somebody Loves You Radio for even more biblical insight to strengthen your heart and direct your steps in daily walking with God. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.